And please turn with me in God's Word to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18. And we're going to read from verses 15 to 35 together as background for considering the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Jesus talks about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. And so I want us to read together verses 15 through 35. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 35, and let's pay careful attention for this is God's own word. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector." Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything and they ask it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said, I said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have, mercy, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Um, This is a parable I always think that is so easy for us to understand and so hard for us to see when we're being the unmerciful servant. Um, It's always easy in isolation to look at this and say, yeah, I mean, who doesn't get this lesson? Um, but it's, all, it's always difficult for us to realize when we are living the life of the unmerciful servant. Um, and so in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, reminding us of all the needs that we have for body and soul, um, we, we come to this need that we have, uh, that we would be forgiven and that we would be forgiven as we forgive other people. Uh, a very important petition for us to keep in mind. 
John Calvin said that this petition refers to the eternal salvation of the soul and to spiritual life. It's one of the leading points of the divine covenant in which all of our salvation consists, namely that God offers us free reconciliation by not imputing our sins to us. Uh, That the Lord freely forgives his people. Uh, That's one of the wonderful realities of being in covenant with our God. Um, Certainly an important thing to meditate on and to think about. Uh, and, and our Lord does something very wonderful for us in this, in this petition. He teaches us not only to remember that the debt we owe to God, but in remembering the debt that we owe to God, he reminds us that there may be from time to time someone who owes you something, uh, someone who owes you forgiveness, um, that you are a debtor to God, um, and that you may in this world become a creditor to someone else. They may incur a debt that they owe to you. Um, And in those moments, we're to think about how we were treated when we were owing to God, and then how we ought to treat people who owe us. Um, And so Jesus teaches us a very important lesson, not just about our relationship to God, but about our relationships to one another. Um, And our Lord gives immediate explanation to this commandment when he goes through how we are to forgive people. Um, We're told, you know, immediately Peter comes wanting some clarification. Um, this is how you're, when someone sins against you, this is how you're to handle it. This is how you're to forgive them. And, you know, Peter runs up immediately and says, well, I have a question. Um, when is enough enough? I mean, surely if I, if I forgive someone seven times, that's enough. Um, elsewhere, you know, in, in a parallel passage, it says seven times in the day. Um, and Jesus responds by saying, no, not seven times, 77 times which would seem kind of extreme, right? If we would have a tough time doing that, um, continuing to forgive someone the same sin. After, after about the seventh time, you begin to think, I'm not sure you mean it. And I'm not sure I'm willing to forgive you. Um, and it immediately challenges us to think about what we owe and what we've been forgiven and what other people then owe us and what we owe them in terms of forgiveness, And so God has linked for us these twin concepts. That when we ask for God to forgive us, we immediately add, as we forgive others. Um, God has tied those two things together for us, made that connection so that we don't forget it. Um, So that we, we don't forget that when we have a debt owed to us, we are a people who've been forgiven much. Um, And that's what God wants to teach us in this Petition. And so I think we learned three things. You'll be surprised to find out uh, in this petition. Uh, we, learn, we learn three things. Um, we learn of forgiveness desired in this petition. We learn about forgiveness delivered. And we learn about forgiveness displayed. What it means to desire forgiveness, what it means to be delivered in forgiveness, and what it means to see forgiveness displayed in our lives. Um, and that's how I want to think about this petition with you. Um, Question 126 of the Catechism asks, what does the fifth petition mean? And in the first place, it means, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, poor sinners that we are, any of the transgressions we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. We are reminded that we are great debtors before the Lord. We are like that, that servant who has a debt that he cannot pay to his master. 
I'm sure you've heard this, this parable. I'm sure many of you have heard this parable explained before. And the amount of money that the servant owes the master, there's very little possibility he could ever pay that off in a lifetime. Um, it's such a massive amount of money that he owes that him saying, have patience on me, I'll pay it all, um, is really, in a sense, an empty promise. It's too great a debt. He doesn't really have the hope of paying for it. Um, and, and really even the, the sale of himself and his whole family is not enough to discharge the debt. Um, he's facing a terrible fate. Um, his family is facing a terrible fate, and he, all he can do is sort of throw himself at the feet of his master and ask for relief. Um, he, he's essentially asked somehow, let me make it right. Uh, there's no way to make it right. There's no way he can make it right. And what does the master do out of his great compassion? He says, I know you can't make it right, so I'll just forgive it. I'm going to release you. Talk about a difference between being sold into slavery along with your family and being released. I'm going to release you. I'm going to set you free. The debt is forgiven. You don't owe it anymore. It's a wonderful Forgiveness, it's especially wonderful the greater the debt, right? If, if you borrow a nickel from somebody and they say, you know what, forget it. Um, you're not going to, you know, sort of bow and scrape and say, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, you think, yeah, it's a nickel. I could have paid that back. I've got that. Um, but the bigger that is, the, the more that, that relief comes. It's especially so when the, the amount is so much you know you could never pay it. You know you could never get out from under it. And then if you, were, if you had that kind of debt for someone to come along and say, you know what, forget it. It's forgiven. It's gone. Um, what, what an amazing gift that is. Um, and it's especially when we think of how God has forgiven us the debt we owe to him, it calls to mind just, just what kind of debt that is that we've incurred. Um, you know, the, the, the catechism captures it well. Do not impute to us, poor sinners that we are, any of the transgressions we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. You know, that, that reminds me of the, the statement in, in, cate, in the catechism question 60 describing who we are. Saying, you know, I, I've, I've transgressed every single one of God's commandments. I've broken them all. I've never kept any of them. And I'm still inclined towards all evil. That's the, that's the situation I'm in. That, that's the level of the debt I've incurred. God has given me a law. I've never positively kept it. I've violated everything he's told me not to do. And my heart still wants to keep breaking it. Um, that's the debt that I owe to God. That's, that, that's the sin that I've committed. That's, that's where things stand for me. And I know what that activity what the wages of that sin are. The wages of that sin is death. The wages of that sin are death, eternal death. Right? I can't even pay that off just by dying. I can't pay that off by dying forever. That helps me understand the magnitude of what I owe to God. But what does God come along and do? He says, you know what? I'll forgive you that debt. I'll release you from that. 
I'll set you free. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all know what the consequences of that are. And yet God comes to us and says, you know what? I'll release you. I'll set you free. I'll pay the debt that you can't pay. Um, so that you can go free. He freely pardons us. We don't do anything. Um, every, every kind of false religion somehow says I can come to God and pay it off. Whether you really believe in God or not, every, every other sort of religion, I do something to pay it back. Um, I, I do something positive. You know, karma weighs out, kismet weighs out. Something is done to make that exchange. Or I receive forgiveness and then I go do, do my you know, acts of penance. There's always some indication. I, I'm going to do something, Lord, to, to, to balance the scale. Have pity on me and I'll, I'll pay it back. And it's amazing that our God comes and says, no, we're not going to strike that kind of deal. You're not going to pay it back. I'm just going to release you from it. It's going to come to you freely, not because you've earned it, but because I've given it to you. It comes solely from the grace of God, with no part of it that you have to do. It's free. He freely pardons and cancels us. That's a measure of the good news of the gospel that we have is that we, we can say to the dying world, there's a God who is willing to forgive your debt. There's a God who's willing to forgive the debt of wrath that you owe to him, and you don't have to pay anything. All you have to do is receive that gift with a grateful heart. You just have to receive that notice that it's been canceled. And we know that even something like that doesn't, you're, you're still not active in the doing of the canceling. You're just receiving it. That, that's what God tells us in this world. That's the wonderful extension of the gospel to his people. That's why nobody owes a debt that's so great that it can't be forgiven them. That's why we can say to everyone who hears the gospel of Christ, he's willing to forgive that debt and make you free. He's willing to release it and cancel it. That's his promise. You can think of the wonderful words of Isaiah 55, 6, and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The Lord will have compassion on those who seek him. He will forgive those who plea with him for mercy. And as we sang from Psalm 103, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We all who owe a huge weight of debt want to be forgiven it, want to get out from under it. Um, and so we express that desire in our prayer and God delivers it to us. Um, and, and we know that there's a cost to be paid for this forgiveness. Right? We don't bear the cost of that forgiveness. The one who's owed the debt bears the cost of forgiveness. Right? The master who's out 10,000 talents, he bears that himself. Um, he takes the loss 
The, the servant goes free. It's the master who bears the loss. He's the one who pays the cost, and it's the same with God. Forgiveness is free to us, but it was purchased at a terrible cost because someone paid that debt so that it could be discharged. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ did by his cross. He paid the debt for us. Um, and that assures us that the debt is really canceled. Um, you notice that in the parable, the master can come back and demand the payment. There's no one who's, who's made the payment, right? He's just on his own motion decided to forgive, and he could rescind that. And I think there are some Christians who operate as if that's, that's what God's like. He's giving free forgiveness, and you know, maybe he could rescind it if you don't straighten up and fly right. But you see, the, the wonderful truth of the gospel is our debt is canceled freely by God because he bears the cost and pays it himself. Um, our debt is actually paid by the Son of God. The wages of sin that we earned, he pays. And the terrible cost he pays is with his life, with his body and blood, broken and shed on the cross. Now, that's the price of our forgiveness. It comes at a great cost. And even though we, we are freely offered it and we celebrate the free offer of salvation as it comes to us, we can never forget the price at which it was purchased. And we can never forget that great cost that Jesus paid so that we would be thankful for it. Because the Bible tells us that in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed and he pours out from it and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. That was the cup of wrath that we had to drink. That's what Christ drank for us. That's what we've been set free from. And how often do we need to be set free? Every day of our lives. Right? We're debtors to his grace every day. We need forgiveness every day. It's not a day goes by that I don't incur a debt to God by what I do or what I, left or what I leave undone. I need that forgiveness every day. I need it to be delivered to me day by day. Um, you know, some people might object and say, well, you know, once you, for, you pray for forgiveness of sins, you're forgiven, past, present, future. Why do we need to keep going and praying to God more than once? Why can't you just pray at one time and be done? Um, well, Calvin helps us in this, I think. He says, For though the, righteous, the righteousness of God shines to some extent in the saints, yet so long as they are surrounded by the flesh, they lie under the burden of their sins. None of us will be found so pure as not to need the mercy of God. And if we wish to partake of it, we must feel our wretchedness. Those who dream of obtaining such perfection in this world as to be free from every spot and blemish not only renounce their sins, but renounce Christ himself, from whose church they banish themselves. For when he commands all of his disciples to come to him daily for the forgiveness of sins, every one of us who thinks that he has no need of such a remedy is struck out of the number of his disciples. But if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We need to never forget how much we are debtors to God, how much we owe to him and how much he has forgiven us. 
He's delivered that forgiveness to us by his spirit. So we might be partakers of it by faith. And he expects us to display that forgiveness in our lives and display it to other people. Um, That's the point of this parable that we read. That's the point of what our Lord teaches. That's the point of what he's taught us in this petition. We're expressing desire to be forgiven as poor, miserable sinners. And then we're asking God to help us to display that attitude in the way we deal with other people. So the second part of the catechism says, Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbors. Um, We're reminded in this petition that we are debtors to God, but we're also reminded that from time to time in this world, there are people who are going to be debtors to us. Um, We live in a sin-filled world. Um, If you didn't know that, write that down. We live in a a sin-filled world. We are constantly interacting with people who will sin against us. And that's not just true when we leave these four walls and go outside. We are going to, in living life together, disappoint each other. We are going to do things to one another that are going to be cause for seeking forgiveness. We are going to sin against our brothers and sisters, and and we're going to be in their debt. Um, And it's our obligation to seek forgiveness. Um, and we know what that's like, right? To, to, to offend someone and then to come to your senses and to want to be forgiven. Uh, to want to make it right, to reconcile the wrong that you've done. Um, and, and you know when you come to someone what you want. right? When you've sinned against someone and you want to go and try to restore what's happened, what you know you're responsible for. What do you hope that you find when you come to that person and say, brother, sister, will you please forgive me? Um, What what do we want to find when we go? We want them to be kind. We want them to be gentle. We want them to be understanding. We want them to be willing to receive our repentance so that our relationship can be restored. And if that's not what we find, we tend to feel aggrieved, right? I don't know why they can't be nicer about this. I don't know why they can't be more understanding, why they have to be so hard. We know that what that's like when, when the shoe is on that foot, but when the shoe is on the other foot, when someone's coming to us to ask for forgiveness, when they've come coming to us saying, I've sinned against you, how do they find us? Um, Are we kind? Are we gentle? Are we understanding? Do we want to do the things that are required to repair the relationship? Because if I come to you seeking forgiveness and you don't, then I feel aggrieved. Um, But if someone else comes to me, well, I have a right to treat them with harshness because... This is different. I'm the one offended this time, right? I mean, it's easy for us to justify our own unforgiving spirit. And what what this passage is teaching us is to have the compassion that we wanted to be greeted with when we fell on our knees saying, please have mercy with me on me, a sinner. Right? That's what God wants us to get into our own heads. You were a debtor to me, and how did you find me, God says. And when people are debtors to you, how will they find you? That's what this petition confronts us with. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How do we want to be found by these things? Um, And that's the point the Lord is making, that we are to to display Christ-likeness in the way we receive the person who is coming to ask forgiveness. And and what what are we reminded of in this this petition, in this scripture? Um, what, What are we reminded of? That being merciful is costly. But sometimes we look at what the scriptures say about forgiveness and the requirement to forgive, and we, we look at it and we say, yeah, you know, that's really hard. That's really difficult. In part, it's difficult because the law is in us by nature, and so what we understand is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Um, you hurt me, so I'll hurt you back to the right measure. Um, that's, that's sort of the law of the big brother, boys and girls. That's what I used to do with my, with my little brother. Um, we're, we're even when I've exacted my pound of flesh. Um, and I'll let you know when I'm satisfied, right? Now, that's not justice. Write that down, boys and girls. Don't, tyr- don't tyrannize your, your brothers and sisters. Um, that's not justice, right? That's revenge, um, and, and what God does to us, he says, I'm not going to exact my due. I'm going to be merciful, and I'm going to bear the cost of that mercy. And so, yes, what God is calling us to do, but if we say, but Lord, you're asking me to, to bear a lot. He would say to us, yes, forgiveness is costly. Um, it costs to forgive. You have to give up something of what you think is due um, to forgive. But in doing so, you'll bear witness to the work of the mercy of God in your life. You'll show that you understand what forgiveness is. You'll show that you understand what it is to be forgiven. um, And what it is to show costly graciousness. Because really, at the end of the day, it wouldn't be hard to command people to forgive if forgiveness was easy. God wouldn't have to come and say, you have to forgive. And you have to forgive 77 times if forgiveness was easy. It's not, it's costly. Um, but it's a testimony that we understand something of what it is to be a debtor to grace and to be in need and to receive what we needed. Um, when God has dealt with us by bearing the cost of forgiveness, we should be willing to extend that same costly grace to others. The point of this petition is not that you you get forgiven by God to the extent you forgive other people. Um, that's, not, that's not what God is telling us, that God doesn't forgive us because we forgive other people. Um, but why does he put it this way? One commentator said, to remind us of the feelings which we ought to cherish towards brothers and sisters when we desire to be reconciled to God. That we don't change the rules that I want God to show me mercy and to forgive me just because I ask. Um, But I don't want to do that for other people. Um, He wants us to truly understand where things are. And so this is very helpful to us. So that when we're burdened with our sins, and when we come to God desiring for the forgiveness of our sins, that we think of our neighbor when they come to us, And have that on our minds so that we don't make the disconnect that we so often do when we're behaving as unmerciful servants. 
making the disconnect between the great debt we've been forgiven and the small debt our brothers and sisters owe us. Because Jesus said, didn't he, that he who is forgiven little loves little. And sometimes our unwillingness to forgive shows that we really maybe don't understand how much we've been forgiven um, and how God has extended grace to us. Now, I'm not going to pretend this is easy to do. This is very hard to do. Um, that's maybe the scriptural understatement of the year. This is really hard to do when we've been offended um, to show this grace. Um, and scripture doesn't pretend that it's easy. Right? In the parallel verse, when, when this, this statement is made by Jesus in Luke 17, 3 and 4, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And do you remember what the disciples respond by saying? The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Right? They know how hard that is going to be to live out and that they don't have the faith to do it. Uh, to really live what he's calling them to live. Um, but if we're ever tempted to say, when, when is enough enough when it comes to forgiveness? Um, Jesus says, well, when will I tell you no? When will you come to me and I ask you for forgiveness and I'll say no? Right? You never reach that point with the Lord. Um, and we want to be able to try to extend that same kind of forgiveness to others. We're great at finding reasons not to forgive. I don't think he's sorry enough. I don't think she's been apologized to me enough. You know, we're great at finding reasons not to forgive. Um, but the Bible really says, you know, you've got two options when it comes to people who've sinned against you. You can overlook that offense in love and just kind of bear all the costs yourself. Or you can go confront them in their sins so that you can work reconciliation. Those are your two options. God does not say you can overlook it in love or you can rebuke them in their sin or you can just be quiet and hate them. Right? Be quiet and hate them is not a biblical option. Um, we either can bear the cost and, and not get into it or we can go and restore to seek them in love. Um, we need to have that readiness to forgive. And one of the things that Jesus is doing in this petition is teaching us to repeat this to ourselves so that we learn this lesson before we're offended. You know, you need to we need to have this spirit of forgiveness living in us before we're offended because when we're offended, it's hard to learn that truth. When someone's already got that sin out, when someone has committed a sin against us and offended us, that's a tough time to try to learn a forgiving spirit. Right, the same, same thing we do with the sovereignty of God. We have to learn that God is good and that all he does is good and that any evil he sends us in this world, he'll turn us to our good. We, it's much more important that we learn that when, when things are going well than when we try to learn that when things are bad. Right, that's usually not the first time we want to be thinking about the providence of God when we're in the midst of something terrible. And the same is true of forgiveness. We want to be cultivating a forgiving spirit always so that we're spiritually ready when we are inevitably sinned against. So that we live life acknowledging there's going to be times when people are going to sin against me and they're going to come and need to seek forgiveness. And I want to cultivate a forgiving spirit against that day. 
and put on those virtues that God's word says we need um, in order to have a forgiving spirit. Um, some of those things that Paul talks about in Colossians 3, 12 to 15, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We need to be doing this always so that our spirits are ready to forgive, um, so that we understand when someone comes to us to release them from the debt. Because sometimes what we really forget is that the debts we are owed are nothing like the debts that are owed to God. This is comparing you know, the, the tens of millions of dollars that the servant owes the master and the 25 cents that the servant owes the other servant. These are not comparable amounts. These are not comparable acts of forgiveness. They're not comparable debts. Um, you know, when we owe a debt to God, that we're, we're, we deserve to be thrown in hell for that debt. Um, when someone forgives me, it's not that bad. I mean, someone attacks me, it's not that bad. Their, their sin against me, the debt I'm owed is not that big. You know why? As one Reformed commentator said, because I'm a worm just like you. And the thing you've done to me, I've probably done to someone else. Um, my majesty is not that high. Um, God's majesty is high. It makes it that much worse when you sin against him. I'm just a fellow servant, a fellow worm. And I've done probably the same thing to someone else. The debt is not the same. If he forgave the great debt, how am I not going to forgive the small debt? Same Reformed thinker said, also think what God can do to you on account of your debt and what you can do to someone else. Right? He forgives you from his eternal wrath, his eternal judgment against sin. What are we forgiving each other? Well, I'm gonna, I, otherwise I'd go home and be angry with you. Oh, don't be angry with me. Right? I can't do anything to you by my anger. It can sour our relationship, but I can't, put, I can't throw you into hell. Um, and, and so this reformist scholar said, get over yourself. Um, at best, you're just stopping your anger that can't really do anything to anyone else, and you're wishing them well, but even your well wishes are not usually the, the best thing. You can tell this is a reformed scholar. He doesn't trust anyone. Um, but he said, you know, it's, it's not that bad. The debt's not as big. You're not as important. Your wrath is not as scary. And you don't have any right to do to hold on to it. At the end of the day, what holding on to it does is hurt us. Maybe you've heard the Puritan saying that unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping to kill someone else. Um, we hurt ourselves when we're unwilling to forgive. It's unpleasing in the sight of our God. Um, we need to think about our forgiveness in light of what we've been forgiven um, and to remember uh, what God has done for us and to do it with someone else. Um, we have a God who is never willing to leave you in your sin. If you come to him seeking forgiveness, if you plea for him for mercy, he will always forgive you. That, that's the good news about the God that we have. Um, it's also good news for sinners who find themselves over and over again confessing the same kinds of sin. That God continues to forgive us of our sins. Um, that God continues to set us free. Um, and so what we want to do is be the same kind of people. 
We may not be able to reconcile with people all the time. We might have people who are unwilling to seek our forgiveness, unwilling to mend fences when we are desperately trying to do that. But it's our responsibility to have a forgiving spirit and not, let, not to let the, the unwillingness to forgive be on our side. Um, but that we would constantly be thinking about just how much we've been set free by our Lord and be willing to extend that same forgiveness to other people. It's a powerful witness to the grace of God when we can do that. Um, We know that. Um, We know it's a powerful witness when some tragedy happens and some Christian person says, you know, I forgive the person who did that. It's a powerful witness. Um, And what a witness it would be to the world if that's the way we lived with one another. If we stopped choking people out for the nickel they owe. Um, And instead extended the kind of grace that's been extended to us. It's really hard. That's why we have to pray for it. That's why we have to pray for it every day. Lord, forgive me my debts and help me to forgive when I'm, a, when I'm the one who's owed the debt. Um, and may I be found to be the kind of forgiving person that I found you to be when I was on my knees pleading for mercy. Uh, Will God help us to be those who appreciate how much we've been forgiven and to display and extend that forgiveness to others? Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we know that the more freely and readily we yield our own rights, the more becoming will be our conduct in your eyes. We pray that you would help us to be those who forgive those who sin against us, that we would cultivate a, a spirit of forgiveness that we might desire to deal with kindness and gentleness with those who sin against us when we think about just how gracious you've been to us, that we've come with a far greater debt against a far greater God than our neighbor, and we found you to be forgiving, that you forgave us freely of our sins and bore all the cost yourself. Help us to emulate that, to be those who have been forgiven much and therefore love much and show that love to one another. Help us to to be forgiving um, as you are forgiving so that we might be pleasing in your sight. And hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.